This is the A with uh, Reg Clay and Norm G. Turn the music down a little bit. We're talking about life in the theater and the theater of life. Norman is on vacation, a well-needed vacation in Chicago, where he is uh, celebrating his uh, 40th high school reunion as well as visiting some family and friends. But I have Adam Simpson, a fantastic actor who um, has been at Off-Broadway West. You've acted at the Boxcar Theater and... uh, the Theater Rhinoceros and yes. a bunch of others, right? Yep, at Hillbarn too. So awesome! It's good to see you again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's great to see you. I, yeah, I've stage managed you, and I've seen you know some just fantastic performances. Um, you're in Mess Harold and the Boys, Head of Gobbler, uh, and the Birthday Party, mm-hmm. and, and a bunch of others too. Yeah, so much fun, and the Speakeasy at Boxcar. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Are you doing anything now, or um, I'm taking a long needed break. Um, I was in the Speakeasy for almost nine months, mm-hmm. um, so uh, it was very intense. So I, I, I'm, I'm kind of just a. I'm still a company member at Off Broadway West Theater Company, so we're going to yeah. figure out our next season, and and hopefully I'll do a show maybe next year. Awesome. Now you're a Canadian American, and you came here. Uh, when did you When did you get into acting? Norm and I have talked about how the acting bug has, you know, bit us, and it actually saved us. You know, we were in very, we sort of grew up in the ghetto. You know, he grew up in uh, in a rough part of Gary, Indiana, and I grew up in Washington D.C. And theater sort of saved us out of precarious situations. And did you? I'm sure you had a different journey. How theater, I don't know, compelled you. Yeah, um, I mean, I I didn't really do any theater until I was in high school, and my best friend, she at the time she was, um, she basically forced me to audition for um, Midsummer Night's Dream that they were doing at school, mm-hmm. and um, were you puck? <laughs> no, I didn't even. I was like Starveling, okay. <laughs> so it was a small. It was my first role, right? But um, I I memorized the Queen Mab speech. Mm-hmm. Mercutio's Queen Mab, Mab speech, and I performed it the next day. So wow. I memorized it the day before. Uh-huh. I didn't do the whole speech, but I did, like, you know, a good chunk of it. Yeah. And I got cast, mm-hmm. and my friend didn't. <laughs> she was so mad at me. <laughs> and so I was, like, I was like, maybe I'm really good at this. And so I was like, and then ever since, I've been acting. Awesome. Now, did you do, do any of that as, like, a kid, or, you know, did you do any public speaking at all? Or No, not at all. I mean, I, I'm, I did, like, I, I was a chess tournament player, so I played a lot of chess, and then um, a lot of Magic the Gathering, so I did a lot of competitive, like, gameplay. Yeah. But as far as, like, public speaking, I was very shy as a kid, so I did not do any of that. Interesting. Shocking, because, you know, I've seen you on stage, and, you know, you, you just take to it. Um, did you go to acting school? Um, I studied theater at Cal. Okay. So, um, I mean, the first two years that I was at Cal, I... You don't have to claim your major until your second year. So I was kind of like, I want to do psychology or anthropology, and I had no idea, and I was going through, like, a crisis. So I talked to my uh, my counselor, and he was like, do what you love. I was like, I love theater. <laughs> I'm going to major in theater, so mm-hmm. I majored in theater. Did your parents have an issue with it? I know, I know that my parents were like, well, you know, we sort of want you to do this or that. But, you know, they were very accepting, and I, got a, I had a half scholarship to uh, to do theater. But did you have any issues with your parents about it? Oh, not at all. My my mom, all my mom cared about that was going to college. When we were growing up, uh, she was like, college or die. I was like, <laughs> oh, okay, well, I don't want to die, so I guess I'll go to college. Yeah. So she was just very proud that I, I was even going to college and also going to UC Berkeley. She was mm-hmm. just, you know, she didn't really care what I'd made. Awesome, in. awesome. Yeah. Um, 
Norman and I have talked about uh, sort of technique and like uh, acting training or whatever. We've talked about Uta Hagen. We've talked about Stanislavski. I've talked about how I learned uh, a bit of method acting at Circle and Square uh, in New York. What about what methodology, if any, did you have when you were in school? Um, well, they taught us. I mean, I don't think they taught us how to do one. I mean, they taught us about a lot of those methods of mm -hmm. acting. But they didn't – when I was taking the acting classes, they didn't really, like, instill one of them as, like, this is how you act, right? Sure. Um, you know, there is, I don't think there is a one right way to act. When you right. when you approach a role, you have to consider it on its own merits mm -hmm. and what it, what it needs. And um, when you do something like – I think – I had to. I've had to shift to the way that I approach a role depending on what what is needed. Mm -hmm. Especially like when I did birthday party. Right. Um, that role took me through a loop, like because it was so, so challenging, and there's a completely different way to think about a character. And usually, Harold Pinto plays are like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It was very transformative in the way that I played Stanley because stanley's a, he's a weird guy you know he he has a lot of troubles mm -hmm. and i it's very different from me i'm not i'm kind of a happy-go-lucky kind of kind of guy yeah so i really had to go to this dark place mm -hmm. but i had to i had to love him for it yeah i had to care about him and that was the hardest part i had to like him yeah my um uh, my dialect coach elisa wentz mm -hmm. she she's the first she's the one who actually changed me in that because she was like she was like adam i don't think you like stanley hmm. i don't think you like him i was like you're right i don't like him so I had to learn to love him for who he was, and mm -hmm. I think, and I don't think that's attributive to any like acting technique, or I don't know which acting technique that really attributes sure, to. But sure. um, it was really about just me caring, caring about that person mm -hmm. that I'm becoming. And yeah. once you do that, mm -hmm. then you can you can just run with it. Yeah, and I, from what I remember from that Pinter play, uh, Stanley is a character. I think he's living with. Uh, were they his parents? No, no. The, he was kind of hiding out there at this old couple's beach house, mm -hmm. and he had been been living there for a long time. Okay. And so he, the um, the older woman, um, she kind of fall. She's kind of like in love with him a little bit, but right, right. But, but you know, it, she kind of also treats him like a son. So it's kind of yeah. like this weird relationship. That's why I felt that they were almost like it was almost like a, a daughter. I mean, I'm sorry, a son, mother. Mothering type, and even and even the uh, the the one who plays the husband uh, seems like a father figure. But it seems like Stanley is uh, he is he's, he's almost like put into a psychological wedge because there are people who are after him who are looking for mm -hmm. him, right? Right. Yeah. There's these two people that are, are, and you don't really know why they're looking for him, but you know that they're looking for him. And mm -hmm. he, when he sees them, he's completely freaked out, and um, he thought that he found his his safe place. Mm -hmm. Um, but, um, it's really an interesting, I mean, when I, when I look at it and analyzed it, it really feels like the beach house is purgatory in a way. Mm. And he's kind of like in this, and they're all in this like limbo yeah. in this like limbo area that it's not really reality, but it's kind of like, yeah. and I feel like, like these two guys are kind of like, like, yeah. like the demons trying <laughs> to take them. It is interesting because there are a lot of plays where. The playwright gives you all of the answers. It's all in the text. Mm -hmm. And here in Pinter, 
There's a lot of ambiguity. I mean, uh, you don't know why they're looking for you. Mm-hmm. You don't know really what the subtext is between the uh, the old woman mm-hmm. and, and Stanley. You don't even know why Stanley is running. Mm-hmm. Where is he running from? Mm-hmm. So as an actor, you have a little bit of freedom to decide, okay, what's your backstory and all of that stuff. Exactly, yeah. I mean, he tells a lot of his backstory but they're all lies. Mm-hmm. He, he's basically been lying to these this old couple the entire time. Mm. And um, so they think of him as different. They think he's like this big famous actor, but really he's just like some loser. Yeah. So, so he's – so, um, I mean, and the, even when the guys come to go to attack Stanley, they're like, you know what you, you, know what you did. Yeah. But we don't know what he, what he did. Right. Is it important for you as an actor to know what he did or is, is, is that – do you say, listen, I just want to do what's enough for the audience and that's, that's good enough? Mm. Well, I mean, if you do that, if you just do what's enough for the audience, then you're not really doing the character as much. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, I, I think that maybe that – I'm not sure if we actually decided what that detail was, what mm-hmm. he actually did. But um, it was important for me to know when I was lying and when I when I was being honest. Mm-hmm. And I think that finding that in the text – we do a lot of the text analysis with – I did a lot of um, script analysis with Richard before the show mm-hmm. and um, just figuring out, like, what what at each moment he wants yeah. is really important. Now, and now the script analysis, is that something that you learned in school? Like, you know, like the basics that I learned in school, uh, especially in high school, I went to a school for the arts. We talked about beats. We talked about objectives, mm-hmm. which I think is the first thing that an actor should know. Mm-hmm. What do you want as an actor, you know, and what happens if you don't get what you want? Mm-hmm. How bad do you want it? Did you focus on that when you were in school? Oh, yeah, definitely. I think especially when we did advanced acting, um, uh, the professor would, would actually give us our own monologues or scenes, and we were expected to analyze them on our own and and make our own decisions and where we thought, you know, what we thought we were it was going to work. And then you, we'd perform in front of the entire class, mm-hmm. and then we would get critiqued by the students. So everyone would give us their opinions on, you know, what they thought they liked and what they didn't like, mm-hmm. and you know what you thought of our choices. But the choices were our own. Got it. You know, we weren't directed beforehand. We had to make our own choices, and then through the critiques, we were able to, and peer review, we were able to, to kind of change it, and then we would. We had two more instances where we'd perform in front of everybody and, and trying to see what our progress was. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. So, th- lots of analysis. <laughs> yeah. And you've retained, like, I've retained a lot. I try to, every time I get into a performance, retain everything that I've learned. Not only, like, let's say script analysis or whatever, but even the stuff that I learned from vocal coaches, like um, articulators and resonators and the warm-ups or, or what have you that I that I need to get into a character. And then there's things like sense memory. How much have you retained from school do you bring into, let's say, performance? Or there may have been things that you learned after school. You know, sometimes just being, just performing is a learning experience all in itself. Mm-hmm. Has life taught you more as an actor or has, has, has do you still retain a lot from school? Um, I think that um, back when I was younger and starting, I retained a lot of the exercises mm-hmm. and I would do – a lot more of them, and I was very, very strict on myself to make sure that I was doing my my, my routine, my, my <laughs> right. routine to like right. get. But now, now I'm kind of more. Um, it's easy for me to go into the mental space on my own and mm-hmm. not have to rely on those techniques as much. Yeah. Um, and it's not that the the techniques are bad or there's nothing wrong with them, but mm-hmm. there's. Um, it, it's just uh, since I've been doing it so much that I feel like I kind of just like 
fall into the space, and I don't really need to yeah. like do a lot of that. Well, they say if you know, you know, you you can you have to know the rules before you can break them. In other words, if you know what you're doing, then you can sort of finagle and you know do things your own way. Exactly. So, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so what? Have, so I've talked about uh, Off Broadway West. Uh, what kind of work have you done for like uh, other companies like the Boxcar or Theater Rhino? Um, for Theater Rhino, I did a couple shows. I did a show called Sex Rev, mm-hmm. which was a basically like a story, kind of like a, a romp about <laughs> Jose Saria, um, which was like the first openly gay um, elected official in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I did um, I did Pinter. We did um, Present Laughter. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Um, and we did that with John Fisher, mm-hmm. who is also acting. He was acting and directing both mm-hmm. those shows. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also did a lot of shows with Boxcar Theater. We did um, Clue, mm-hmm. which was one of my favorite shows I've ever been in. Cool. Um, and then I was just in the Speakeasy. So mm-hmm. yeah. Is Peter Matthews still at the Boxcar, or is he? No, no. no um, he left quite a while ago, so I think he's just doing his own thing now. But um, Nick Olivero is is a hit. Nick Olivero, yeah, I, I remember him. And Peter Matthews, he was also a former Eastender, so I remember him. It's a small world, you know. If you know, you either know an actor or you know that actor knows someone who knows you. So it's a really <laughs> small world in the acad- acting community. It's like whenever I do like a small reading or something. And, I talked to a new actor that I haven't met before. We know everybody. We all know all the same people. Right, <laughs> we right. have like 35 <laughs> friends in common, and it's like, oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. It's fun. It's fun. Yeah. Um, what do you think about the state of the, the, the theater community? You know, I, when I talk to people who are either writers or actors or whatever, it's, you know, we're at an age now where a lot of young folks want to watch YouTube or, you know, they want to do other things other than go to a theater. Um is is it tougher to get people to come in to come and watch your stuff? Yes, it's nearly impossible to get a full house if you're not doing something that's if you're not doing Hamilton. Yeah. If you you know yeah. if you're not doing the next big thing that everyone's talking about, then it's really hard to get butts in the seats mm-hmm. that aren't your friends, like yeah. just to get random people. And it's really interesting. Um, when I did the birthday party, mm-hmm. I had uh, one of the nights I brought all my co. I used to work at Zynga at mm-hmm. the time, and I had like. 20 of my co-workers came mm-hmm. that night to oh, watch the nice. show. Mm-hmm. And it was really fun, but it was really interesting because after the show, they they had never seen theater. They didn't even know that. <laughs> what yeah. They didn't even know what it was. They're like, they're, they didn't know how to behave. Yeah. They didn't know oh, they didn't know that they're supposed to sit there. Like, they're right, what are we supposed to do? It's like, you just sit yeah. there and watch. <laughs> like, you, you don't have to. <coughs> they just, they just they did, they, their parents never took them to shows. So if your parents don't take you to shows, you don't know about theater and you don't care about theater and then yeah. you don't go. Right. Which is sad because there's something about live theater that you don't get from, let's say, a movie theater or um, or television. I mean, you know, you're watching something organic on stage. Exactly. And um, you're watching people react to each other, like real reactions. And you're in the same energy in that same space and you're feeling it, especially at a small thrust stage like Boxcar. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sorry, like with the Phoenix. Sure. Um, it's it's very intimate, so you really feel like you're like experiencing those emotions with them. Mm-hmm. And when it's when you're sharing the same airspace, it's like it's just so much more real. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. Have you ever thought about going into other venues? Like I don't know, have you ever done film or um, television? No, I haven't. Um, uh, it's it's kind of hard to do. F- I mean, every once in a while they come in with a show here in San Francisco, but. Mm-hmm. 
it's few and far between, and it's hard to get a big part for that type of stuff. So I kind of stick to to stage theater, but I'd be more than willing to do. Do you have a Do you have a part for me? No. <laughs> <laughs> Shoot, yeah, I, I'm looking my own stuff. But no, it is very tough. And I've and you know Norman and I've talked about equity v non equity. You know, there are a lot of actors who want that equity card, and then they just want to leave the theater scene and go to L.A. and New York. Well, I just think that if, I mean, that's 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 fine. That's a good pathway. I, mm-hmm. I don't think that's one for me to become equity because the thing is that if I do equity, then I can't do the cool things that I'm doing now. Right. I can't, I couldn't have done Birthday Party. I couldn't have done The Speakeasy. I would have right. been, I would have been stuck doing only shows at like ACT or, or Berkeley sure. Rep, which is fine, but, you know, then I'm not doing all these little things that are, are really cool. Which is really sad. I mean, the companies that are really doing a lot of interesting, very, um, I wouldn't say abstract, but, you know, not the cookie cutter type theater stuff, but they don't have the money mm-hmm. to pay equity actors. And mm-hmm. for those that really do, they want to keep it safe. You know, they'll do the the stuff that will bring in audience members, mm-hmm. which means you're not as creative. Yeah. Um, I think, and especially in, in, you know, we have like, it's impossible to pay rents now and yeah. um, prices are going up for everything. So it's just really hard to like even keep the theater open. So playing it safe, you know, has its advantages mm-hmm. where he's like, Oh, well I know everyone's going to see everyone's going to want to see this Pinter play. So let's just do Pinter again. Sure. Or, you know, then the next season we want to do something different, but mm-hmm. then no one goes because no one's ever heard of that playwright or whatever. Sure. Right. Exactly. And I've had a couple of like new playwrights uh, like uh, Jeannie Barago and Scott Munson and Christina Wren. And they've all lamented. It's very tough getting an original play produced because a lot of companies are like, hey, I don't want to lose any money on this. Mm-hmm. So I'd rather not take that chance. Mm-hmm. And that's unfortunate. Well, we just did um, a world premiere um, by Patricia Milton, mm-hmm. who is a local playwright. And um, it was great working with her because she – uh, she's kind of a been pretty well known here in the Bay Area, but she's also you know going kind of worldwide. But um, she specifically wrote this play for us called Without Mercy mm-hmm. that we put on um, in February, and um, she has a really big following. So it was kind of nice to have to have a world premiere, which we had never done before, mm-hmm. because she has people that will come see her shows, mm-hmm. and they did. Um, still, unfortunately, we weren't able to like fill our houses, but mm. still, it, you know, it has it does have a draw to it. So sure, yeah. And I was talking to Jeannie about um, just the business of marketing your own stuff, and everyone, every you know, everyone is creative. Everyone knows how to be creative, but it's the marketing and and the uh, that's that's more of the difficult part of it. And I know Barbara Harder does you know as, as good of a job as she can mm-hmm. in marketing off Broadway rents. I think the Harders are they are wonderful man wife couple that that uh, that has 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 um built off broadway west i think they've been around for how long how many years um since 2006 yeah that's impressive yeah we've done we've had almost we're almost 10 years mm-hmm. um which is amazing i mean i think they're just super super smart great theater people to yeah. be around um um and it has been hard to advertise for our shows. I do. I'll do their posters. Like I did that poster for Lifetime Three that you have on the wall over there. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. I do all their posters, so um, I try to market it so that it makes it look like fun or something you want to see. For sure. But um. Well, I mean, you, but you're in competition with all the other theater companies. There are at least tons of other theater companies right now. You know, every time I talk to a friend, hey, come see my show. It's like, well, I'm in a show. Come yeah. See my show. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> They're like, why didn't you come see my show? It's like, well, because I'm doing my own show. <laughs> 
and then there's like that one Tuesday that you could possibly see it, but then you're seeing you're, you know you have a family event that night, so you can't go. So you're <laughs> right, <laughs> you're right, like, exactly. I can't go see everything. What do you think about the gentrification that's happening in San Francisco now? You're you're coming at it from both ends. You know, you are a um, you know a citizen of San Francisco and and you know in the theater community, so you that you see the brunt of someone trying to rent out a theater, and let's say they can't because the rents are high. But you're also in the tech industry, and a lot of people say, well, the techies, they're the reasons why the rents are going up because they make the money and the landlords want that money. Mm-hmm. Do you th- do you see a change uh, now? Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I've, I've had friends who have moved out because, you know, they can't live here anymore. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's kind of weird being in the middle of this because um, – I think San Francisco goes through this type of pattern quite often. Mm -hmm. Um, This isn't the first time that everyone said that San Francisco is getting too gentrified. It it goes through its 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 bursts and its pops, and it kind of like goes through its own little waves. Um, And it's going to pop. You know, it's 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 really unfortunate that all these artists are getting pushed out of the city. Mm -hmm. But just like just like the tech bust of. 2000 it's going to happen again and um, when that happens mm-hmm. everyone's going to move back in so i think at some point it's going to break and um i'm just hoping hoping that all these theater companies can stay in business until that happens <laughs> yeah yeah well i'm glad you're confident about that because you know a lot of folks because uh, you know i think about the the dot-com um, bust of 2000 where a lot of Everyone was into the internet, and and people did websites, but a lot of people weren't educated as far as the internet. So a lot of companies were ahead of their time, mm-hmm. and that's what caused the bust. I'm not sure what exactly will cause the bust now. I mean, I know that Uber mm-hmm. is in trouble, but that's because of Tim Kalanick. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see. I, I certainly hope you're right. Yeah, I mean, I just hope also that just people start taking <laughs> taking their kids to theater. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Because I think that's the one of the biggest problems is like these tech people aren't theater people. Like yeah. they're two different worlds. Yeah. And the people that do like engineering, they don't they don't go see live shows, which mm-hmm. is really. Th- I mean, they'll go to a concert, but they won't go see live theater. Yeah. And so I just wish that there was something to, to like bridge these two together yeah. in some kind of interesting way. Which is odd because there's a lot of creativity when it comes to tech. Mm-hmm. I mean, like you know, you have to develop, let's say, a website. You have to develop an app. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, if you're in, like you're in the gaming community, so you know you have to create. Now, in the gaming community, do you create storylines? What do you What do you do for the gaming community? Um, yeah, so I'm a I'm a game designer, so I do um, concept design, basically mm-hmm. like creating like what the rules of the game are. Okay. Um, I do narrative, so I'll, I'll write write stories for the game. Um, uh, I will do level design, um, designing the fun of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, I also do feature design and um, figuring out like all the different aspects of the game and, and doing the, mm-hmm. the wireframing for it and UI design and stuff yeah. like that. So I do a lot of it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a lot of artistry involved in that. So I would figure there would be a little, you know, it's, it's different from law. Like I'm trying to get, you know, uh, like I work for the, D- the district attorney's office in San Francisco, and it's tough getting lawyers to come to the theater. Mm-hmm. Not because they're not interested. A lot of them aren't interested, but their families and, you know, they're busy writing papers and and motions and stuff like that but i figure it'd be easier for you know the gaming community to uh well there is like a there is a an overlap when it comes and you've been part of this because you've done voice acting before for mm-hmm. games so yeah. there is that overlap and i actually made a game called disney nature i mean sorry um disney princesses enchanting storybooks mm-hmm. 
and in it, I got to uh, do voiceovers with the original Disney princesses, oh, and nice. so Mandy Moore. Mm-hmm. Um, I got to talk to her on the phone, but it's very uh, it's very separated because they're in L.A. and so sure. you're just on the phone with them, and yeah. they don't come in and meet all the all the other techies. So it's kind of like yeah, they're over there and. We're over here. Right. No, no, I totally understand. Mm-hmm. Um, when it comes to writing, um, have you ever thought about writing plays? Do you write plays? Have you written a play? I've tried to when uh-huh. I was younger, but it didn't really go very well. Um, I, I think that's something that I'd be definitely interested in if I like if I thought of a, a topic that was meaningful to me. But um, uh, that's that's not something I have tried yet. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, because you do creative writing for the gaming community, so mm-hmm. I figured maybe the transition would be easier. Who knows? Yeah, maybe one day I, I will write a play. Yeah. I'm going to do it, Reg. <laughs> you and me. Let's write one. Hey, well, why not? <laughs> what was the, uh, tell me, uh, I don't know if you have any crazy theater stories, like, I don't know, a production that just, you know, just very strange or whatever. Like, I, I've been a part of a production where, you know, the actor couldn't, you know, remember his lines. It was back in New York. Mm. We were doing a uh, an original piece called A Barbershop in Pittsburgh, and this is one actor. He had not been on theater for a long time, and as a stage manager, I'm literally – whispering his lines to him <laughs> while we're on live stage and that was one of the crazier oh yeah i mean i i've lived the the actor's nightmare oh and you that? know what the actor's nightmare is is when you go on stage and you don't know and you don't know why <laughs> you're there yeah um it, i was doing um how to succeed in business without really trying oh, okay at hill barn uh-huh. and this was like my first musical so mm-hmm. i they and they uh, they put me as an understudy for finch mm-hmm. which is the main character and because i, I I, I, I nailed I nailed the song in the audition, so they uh-huh. thought I was like this really great singer. But I was like I <laughs> I'm like I'm not that good, and so anyways they didn't they didn't rehearse me throughout the entire show. Like hmm. I, I mean I've never been on stage before. They usually you have to get like at least one full rehearsal before you go sure. on, right? Yeah. They didn't give me any. Oh no. I wake up that morning. La 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 la. They give me a call. Adam, you're going on. <laughs> oh, that man. morning wow. for that night show, and I was like, what? Adam, you're going on tonight. I was like, so the guy, the the guy that was playing Finch, yeah, was dancing on one of the desks, and I guess he like twisted his ankle or something. Ooh, okay, but he was still fine, but he decided not to go on. Okay, so so I get there and I'm like, I'm like, I don't know any of my lines. I didn't know any of the songs. Yeah, and so I I got like um. I got a clipboard that uh-huh. had all of my lines on it, yeah. and I just because it, it was like a business thing, so it looked like I would have a clipboard. You know, why not? <laughs> sure, it works, oh, right? There you go. Yeah. yeah, and so, and then they decided to have the original Finch sing the songs from the booth while I lip synced. Oh, so okay. not only did I not have my lines, <laughs> I had I was lip syncing all the songs. Yeah, <laughs> and it was really funny because Hillborn it was like a, it was like a matinee, and so there's like a kind of a blue hair crowd. So they <laughs> they were kind of like I got my hearing aid on, but but they were like to the show. One of the ladies, she's like, I didn't even realize. <laughs> well, of course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so like it's kind of funny because at the very beginning he gets pushed out on the window washing yeah. thing, and I was like, remember I get remember getting pushed out, mm-hmm. and I was just like. What is happening right now? <laughs> like, why is this happening to me? So yeah, that was that was my funny I story. Fi- I would figure a stage manager would have to, because I, I remember being a stage manager. We were doing um, Othello, and uh, the director fired Iago, and uh, <laughs> it was you know less than a month before we were on stage. I think we had like three weeks left, and I'm like, oh my god, we have to bring in an actor. And he has to learn Iago, and so I remember showing him the blocking you know as a stage man i'm like hey listen i gotta prepare this guy did that happen did the stage manager come to you and say listen oh them and the actors were pushing me in the right direction because i had no idea what to do so i'd go backstage and then then be like go that way go that way 
Okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, wow. So it was like a complete hassle. But, you know, during coffee break was my only break because Finch isn't in that number. So sure. I was like, coffee break. I was like, it's, yes. So I was backstage like. <laughs> like <laughs> hey, trial by fire. Yeah. Awesome. What's the most memorable uh, time of you? I mean, is there a character or a production that, that really means a lot to you? Yes. Um, uh, I played prior in Angels in America, mm-hmm. um, and we did that production um, at the LGBT Center. Mm-hmm. And I think opening night, it was opening night, um, we had a performance, and a lot of the people of the audience had were um, AIDS survivors. Mm-hmm. So, um, I mean, in the gay community – it's kind of rare to see a lot of gay men in their 50s and 60s because a lot of them died. Sure. So um, the ones that are still alive, they remember everyone and everyone that they've lost. Mm-hmm. So it, I'm still getting chills just thinking about it. But um, after that production, I got to talk to a lot of the survivors, and um, it was just really moving wow. um, mm-hmm. to have to portray someone that was, you know, had sarcoma lesions and, and was dying of AIDS and – um, still have that, still portraying that hope that Kushner did so well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just really uplifting to see them basically in tears, like thanking me for my performance. So it oh, was really, awesome. really powerful. Awesome. Yeah, and yeah. now they're doing it. They have a revival of Angels in America. I think. Oh, where at? Um, what's his face? Who's that guy that was in the birdcage? Um, oh, <laughs> I can't remember. Um, Andrew Garfield's in it. Okay. Um, so it looks pretty good. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Is there is there any um is there any role that you would like to do, or is there, let's say, a, uh, a company or a house that you? Because I imagine mean, you've you've been in a bunch of theater houses. Mm-hmm. Is there that one role that you'd want to portray that you haven't portrayed yet that you want to be cast in? Um, so I am a big Carol Burnett fan, and uh, yeah. I <laughs> I've always wanted to be in Noises Off, uh-huh. and I actually got to see the SF Playhouse do mm-hmm. it, and it was really funny. Um, and I still want to be in that show. Yeah. I don't even care what character I play. Yeah. <laughs> but I, 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 it's. I really like doing comedy, and uh-huh. I don't get to very. I don't often get to do it. Because everything I've seen you in has been serious. Right, and even the birthday party is a comedy, but yeah. it's still. It's, it's, a, dar- it's a dark. It's comedy. very dark. Yeah. So I kind of was in a dark place. So, yeah. um, I really feel like I'm a comedic actor, but like I am always doing a lot of serious roles. Yeah. So, um, I'm hoping, and I think Noises Off is one of the funniest plays ever, but um. I'm hoping to do like a really funny comedy like that. So yeah, you gotta uh, tell tell the hardest to uh, to do a comedy. <laughs> I don't think we could do noises off though on that stage. <laughs> it's a little too small. It's, uh, it's a bit small. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are. Uh, let's see, we're at the thirty uh, thirty thirty um, thirty minute mark. Um, I'll give you the last button. Any, anything that you want to uh, promote or any last thoughts? Oh well, um, just check out Off Broadway West. We're going to announce our new season coming up. Um, this October, we're going to do a Twilight Zone special. So oh, it's going to be, be awesome. We're going to pick two of the more famous Twilight Zone episodes, and we're going to do a live uh, staged reading of it, yeah. which will be a lot of fun right before Halloween. Play Fight's also doing that, or at least they did that. Um, they they used to do the Twilight Zone at the, uh, the Darkroom Theater. Oh, cool. But uh, the Darkroom has since closed. So it's interesting. I'm, I'm glad to see the Twilight Zone is getting a revival. Well, it's great because you can watch it all on Netflix. I had never really seen it before, so I'm watching all these episodes. And I'm like, wow, this is where all these <laughs> ideas came from. Like, I didn't even realize yeah. 
Um, well, uh, yeah, I love Rod Serling and, you know, that, that writing, and it's not so much about the science fiction of it all, but he uses that to talk about, you know, to talk about society and it's like, what's happening. Yeah, it's like them, him and, like, Hitchcock were able to, like, create this whole, like, creepiness. Like, back then, movies were so much more creepy and scary, but nowadays, like, horror movies are just kind of, like, gory and weird right, and gross. Right, right. It's like, right. what happened to that, like, <laughs> creepiness that I'm... Yeah, I think it was the post, I guess, Cold War and, you know, just the Red Scare, and I think those guys were motivated to write uh, in a very different way. Mm-hmm. So, so, yeah, it's very cool. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, so we – and I will put uh, Off-Broadway West, the um, the Earl. Uh, I'll uh, create an Earl for that, so you just click it and what have you. Th- Adam, thank you so much for coming on. And um, once again, if you are – you can watch the Yay uh, if you have a iPhone or a uh, Apple uh, iPod – iPad, excuse me. Uh, you can click on the uh, podcast app. It's a purple app on your device, and you can search for the Yay. If you are on um, Android, then you can find it on SoundCloud, and you can use SoundCloud.com to watch all of the episodes of the Yay. And you're also on I'm an American too, and I want you, I encourage you to listen to that as well because Adam has a wonderful story about his uh, being a Canadian coming to America. So, Adam, once again, thanks so much. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, and we are.